Manchester City have dominated English football in recent years, with Pep Guardiola achieving a similar level of consistent league success than that at Barcelona and Bayern Munich. But the Champions League remains his toughest puzzle, and like a classical hero doomed to failure, he's tried to control the uncontrollable, to tame the random elements of a competition that is so fascinating because it can be so dramatic and unpredictable. With Erling Haaland spearheading this City team, will this year be different? Or will there be another head-scratching failure to add to the list? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. My top tipping team does a fine job of making sense of football's random and sometimes low-scoring nature, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, City drew one all at RB Leipzig in the first leg. This is effectively a one-off game now because the away goals rule, of course, has been scrapped. And I guess City's price of 1.39 reflects that. The question is, can De and Bullen cause a few problems? Because certainly in the second half of that first leg, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, really looking forward to this game. Um, I think we're all relatively positive about Leipzig's chances coming into the the first leg. Um, I don't think we got to see got to see the best of them for ninety minutes, or at least saw the match we we hoped or expected to see in Germany. They were very timid in that first half hour and or first half really, and every time they turned the ball over, it was um, you know they gave the ball back to City really. But um, was that nerves? Do you think? Um, yeah, possibly nerves, but I also thought tactically the approach was wasn't quite what I anticipated. They looked to be trying to play on the counter attack, or but you know whatever whatever happened, it, things broke down whenever the ball was turned over, and they didn't really get the opportunity to to hurt City. And in fact, Man City dominated that first forty five, and and probably claims to be further ahead really, but um, not for the first time in Europe or. Or in fact, this season really they failed to, to turn that dominance into an end result. Really, and as you say, Leipzig showed more ambition, showed more confidence, and really grew into the game in the second half. And, and that equaliser was coming. Um, you could say it was a, a foul uh, from Guardiola, but uh, before that, Andre Silva hit hit the bar. Uh, it wasn't your cliche game of two halves, but you absolutely think that Leipzig deserved something out of it. And I, I just think City wouldn't have been too disappointed by the final outcome because they'll fancy their chances. At the Etihad, where they've been so strong in the Champions League. Go back to September 2018. That was their last home defeat in this competition. They've won 21 of their following 23 games um, in the Champions League at the Etihad, which is quite phenomenal, including a 6-3 beating of Jesse Marsh's Leipzig in in 2021. I I don't think we'll see a scale of a game quite like that, but um, I do think Leipzig can make their mark in this match. No one Kunku, of course, who did score a hat-trick in that defeat, but um, he's been in and out of the team recently uh, with injury. And no Diallo, no Galashi, no Schlager, um, which is a blow. A few of those players will be key players. Olmo got some minutes off the bench at the weekend. That is a boost if he can play a part here. But I think Emil Forsberg has really sort of played his way back into form in recent weeks as well. Yeah. Uh, kind of come to the fore, creating and converting opportunities. And I think the beauty of this Leipzig team, we've talked about it pretty much weekly now, whether it's on the Champions League or domestically in the Bundesliga, they've got so many different threats and so many different ways of hurting you. And you can see that in the Bundesliga, 17 different goal scorers. Uh, and under Marco Rosa, 27 games across all competitions, 63 goals. That's 2.3 goals per game on average. This team has threats, and they've scored 13 goals in six Champions League games under Rosa. 
And I felt they shaded two games against Real Madrid in the group stage as well. So they've highlighted that they can compete with the best. They showed in the second half against Man City that they can do so as well. But I think going to the Etihad is a is a step up, if you like. It's it's about the biggest test in the continent, continental football. So eager to see how they do compete. Um, I thought both teams to score was a bit of a runner here because Leipzig will always give you an opportunity or two. Uh, I think they'll take heart of recent performances. Uh, they lost away at Dortmund, of course, about 10 days ago where they were the better team. Um, I think they can do something similar here, but have they got enough to get over the line? I'm not sure. They're 6.2 to qualify here, but as the market suggests, City are, are very strong favourites to, to qualify with a pretty much a fully fit squad available to them. They seem to be getting results recently without sort of fully exerting themselves or having to sort of find that fifth gear. So, yeah, I think it's a fascinating match. The price that stood out to me most... Um, considering I did feel both teams to score was a bit of a runner, which is odds on. You can get Man City to win and both teams to score at 3.05, so bigger than 2-1. to one. Um, If City do win this match in 90 minutes, I still think Leipzig will have a say in it. So whether it's a consolation goal after sort of falling two or three goals behind, or whether they can really sort of take City to to the, um, to the full 90 minutes um, remains to be seen, but I, I think that price really did stand out to me. Yeah, Leipzig, not a team that ever dies wondering, really. Uh, maths master and king of the sustainable edge, Mark Stinchcombe, back in the starting side. Stinch, how would you attack this one? And actually, a second question for you. I find City really intriguing because they're still in a title race. Erling Haaland has scored tons of goals, as all of us said that he would. We were all fully convinced that he was going to be able to do that. But where would you put them in terms of City teams we've seen before? Do you think they are a little bit off it or is it just a different City team that's attacking it in a different way? I think that's a really good question with potentially no answer in at this moment in time. I feel the change with Cancelo leaving still is one I can't quite understand. Um, and it's further complicated by the fact he's not getting any minutes at Bayern either. So was it an issue with Guardiola and Cancelo? Is it an issue just with Cancelo? I think Cancelo? it was. 100%. I think Cancelo, we know when he's in the team, when he's playing well, when he's happy, no problem at all. As soon as he's not in the team, I think there is a body of evidence now to tell you that he's a yappy so-and-so. And therefore, you know, they need to make a decision and you need to judge, do we keep him? even though he's an amazing footballer, or is it going to upset the dynamic of the whole squad? They've shifted him out. Julian Nagelsmann talked about this. He had to have a chat with him a few days ago because he was moaning about not getting in the team. So, you know, he's lost a very, very good player, Guardiola, but did he do it for the right reasons, I guess? Yeah, because he wasn't getting picked for all of Portugal's games either, was he, Cancelo? Um, which is a bit of a shame because I think at one point, he was arguably the best fullback in the world recently. Um, you know, the fact that he can play both sides ridiculously well, both left back and right back. His uh, his crossing with the outside of his right foot is has reeled, you know, more than just chances. It results in goals as well. So I find City at the moment very difficult to work out. I can't even work out what formation they're going to play. You know, with this uh, Rico Lewis playing in the inside right which is kind of going back to the 1950s I think um, when I see City's team on uh, you know social media an hour before kickoff 
I've spent minutes trying to work out what exactly what formation is and actually I've had to I've had to wait and watch the kind of first five minutes of the match to if I've had a, if I've got a bet lined up pre-match I've actually decided to wait and watch the first five minutes to see exactly what the formation is going to be because even Kyle Walker's been sort of shoehorned in there uh, now he's got off the field issues as well so yes I think City have got everything to prove essentially you know they go off the shortest price for every single um, match every single competition but their results and sometimes their performances are not necessarily backing up and and they've got a you know a really difficult challenge trying to reel Arsenal back in with that five-point deficit so yeah I think it's really difficult so I think it is right to try and oppose them especially as you mentioned up at 1.39 um fully on board with with Mark I do think both teams to score it is the bet uh 1.93 um you know Leipzig we mentioned scored six goals in their three meetings with City and you look in terms of expected goals all well above uh one per game so they are creating reasonable chances you look at the uh the odds so you mentioned the match odds over two and a half goals is four to seven so essentially that the market is anticipating or the way the market has derived the odds, has Leipzig in for 0.83 goals. Now, if you look at their XG, as I mentioned, against City across those three meetings, the average is 1.26. If you converted that into odds, both teams to score, you get 1.65. So I think the 1.93 makes sense if Leipzig are able to bring to the table what they've shown in the other three meetings. And then you look at City at home in the Champions League, just four clean sheets in the last 11. And obviously that includes group stage games where they're even heavier favourites. And then Mark mentioned Leipzig in terms of how many goals they've scored. They've only failed to score in four of 34 games this season as well. So I think um, if we sort of kind of accept that City to score is, is not necessarily a given, but obviously it's a very short price. I feel like we're kind of just betting on will Leipzig score or not. And I think it's a decent bet. I was also looking at City to win and both teams to score, but I actually think that I'm not saying this is Mark's thinking, but I actually think it might be a little bit lazy to take that leap because if Leipzig score... Yeah, Mark! I, <laughs> well, it depends when they score, you know, if they take the lead, if they equalise. You know, we've seen Guardiola in the Champions League, some of the decisions he makes, uh, you know, I've written down here, pet roulette. Again, there might be a lazy uh, saying, but, you know, that means I don't have to ramble on too much about his decision-making when playing Fabian Delph at left-back. Um, and then the off-the-field issues with Kyle Walker right now after after other full-backs have committed misdemeanours. It doesn't all seem like 100% rosy there. And, uh, yeah, I just think back to City again, Against Leon, when they were very similarly priced, and they they took the lead in that game as well, I think, and they went on to lose. And uh, yeah, there's a reason City haven't won the Champions League yet, and I think that all kind of all those nuances come together to to present that actually this match might be a bit tougher than City at 1.39. Delighted to tell you, by the way, that Stinch and Lazy Mark are taking their band Pep Roulette on tour later this year. Some of the best uh, football-related jazz that you can enjoy. There'll be dates on our website, betting.betfair.com, later in the year. We are making a few changes, by the way, to our great daily offers here at Betfair. You now have to opt in to promotions to enjoy the rewards available on the Sportsbook and Exchange. You can opt in quickly and easily by clicking a promotional banner or going straight to the promotions page and clicking opt in. There's a step-by-step guide on betting.betfair.com. 
The other game on Tuesday sees Porto look to overturn a narrow first leg deficit against Inter. Stinchinter have lost their last two away games at Bologna and Spezia. It's very, we talked about it being quite hard to get a handle on City. I find Inter very difficult to predict because every time you think they're starting to put things back together, Lukaku looks all right scoring goals, they just go and throw in a horrible result here and there. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure if it's the World Cup impact. Again, that might be a, a lazy reason. Um, but um, you look at the fact that a couple of things kind of baffle me about um, Simone Inzaghi's team. Um, you know, the rotation of Handanovic and Onana, for me, that doesn't breed long-term consistency because no. you've got defenders that are used to playing with one goalkeeper behind them and then defenders are used to playing with a different goalkeeper. Um, the issue behind, I know he's been injured recently, but um, Skriniar, with his contract expiring, there's not been anything publicly announced as far as I'm aware, but it seems as though he's going to join PSG yeah. and he's been one of their best defenders since they signed him. So I just think there's a little bit of upheaval going on, which is not, um, good and then I think you've just got a little bit of variance going on there as well you've got Martinez missing penalties Lukaku missing big chances so I think maybe um, you know just looking at the last two away games maybe that all of those things thrown in together um, is, is maybe gone against them a little bit uh, in this game I thought the bet though really was to essentially go for the same as the first leg under two and a half goals at five to six you know, it's essentially saying it's a kind of a fifth. It's chalked up as fifty-fifty, and I think given the the one-nil um, scoreline, I think that the tie dynamic dictates that this will be a cagey game. I, you know, I, I envisage Inter going there trying to keep things tight, and Porto know they they don't have to go all out guns blazing from the first whistle. They'll they can uh, approach it uh, measurably rather than maybe going gung ho and then being picked off. So, I mean, and just look at the both teams defensively, which is kind of driving my, my thought as well as the dynamic. Uh, Porto post-World Cup have only conceded nine goals in 17 games. Yes, I know the Portuguese league is not that strong, but that does include two matches against Sporting and obviously the one against Inter. Um, Inter post-World Cup have only conceded nine goals in 15 games um, themselves. And what I quite like that um, that maybe the, the Premier League doesn't adopt is the fact that both sides played on Friday night, which gives them more time um, for preparation so I think both I say I think this would play out in a kind of old school typical Champions League game maybe not we kind of see in the the modern era um, I had a look at the goal scorers as well and someone that interested me I'm not sure if he'll start because he's been a little bit absent in terms of injuries as well but with Porto at some point we'll have to attack um, I quite like the look to um, Steven Eustachial Stacchio, yeah, yeah. Oh, the I've Canadian right. guy. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, he's uh, he's got quite a few goals this season, including some uh, goals in Champions League against both uh, Club Brugge and Atletico Madrid. We know how defensively uh, stable Atletico can be. Um, and he's 13-2 to, to score any time. Um, and I thought that was maybe worth a bet if he does start. Yeah, Mark, it's, it's an interesting one. I think Stinch is absolutely right. This feels like, especially with Conceição involved, the Porto coach, feels like a game that's going to be a little bit nasty, a few challenges going in, quite physical. There won't be a lot of room for those forwards to operate, will there? 
Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this game. Could be quite tasty. <laughs> I knew you um, would be. I knew you would be. <laughs> the first half was, was much better than a... The first leg was a much better than a 1-0, actually. And Otavio's red card did tip the balance slightly in Inter's favour. Um, they managed to get that goal late on. Slightly fortuitous with the rebound coming straight into Lukaku's path. But um, I actually thought Porto were probably edged it before the red card, actually. Um, and I felt that the result was a bit harsh on them. Otavio's obviously now... Suspended, and that's a bit of a blow, really. But um, yeah, I quite like Porto bringing the noise in this game. Um, they've got a bit of a pedigree for knocking out Italian teams at this stage. They've done it to Roma and Juventus in the last five seasons. Um, and if you, you know, they played Friday night with a bit of a rotated team against Estoril. You can't read too much into it. Um, Galeno and Taremi came off the bench and kind of shored things up for them. But um, you know, they had a few of their sort of injury concerns coming back into the squad. Um, only 30,000 people turned up at the Dragao and uh, Conce Sal basically said, well, everybody knows this is just a bit of a dress rehearsal. It's a bit of a warm up for what's happening on Tuesday, which is which is the game really for Porto this season because the title race is all but done now. Uh, it's very going to be very difficult to claw that gap back on Benfica. So this now becomes the priority. And we all know what a you know what a stadium the Dragao can be when it's full can be in a really intimidating cauldron for teams. Almost every team by Liverpool seems to be uh, sort of struck by it when they come here. So yeah, I, I looked at the prices in the Asian handicap. You can get um, Porto one point nine seven off a zero start on the Asian handicap. So effectively, the draw no better, almost even money. That does appeal to me. Um, there's strong concerns around Simone Inzaghi and his future. They're saying that this could be his basically a fateful week for him. Well, not with this just game, but uh, the Derby d'Italia to come before the international break. Um, losing the title was a, was a big blow last season. And obviously Friday night's shock loss to Spezia leaves them 18 points behind Napoli this year. There's suspicions that he isn't quite good enough now in terms of what the, the Milan hierarchy suggests because the top four isn't even a, a lock for Inter right now. They've been quite unconvincing, particularly away from home. Uh, Stinch has already talked about Skriniar's absence. Uh, he's a major doubt here as well. But domestically, they're away record against uh, the, the best teams. Five defeats and six trips to the top half. They've kept two clean sheets away from home across all Serie A and Champions League matches this season. They came at Sampdoria, who are bottom of the league, and Victoria Pilsen in the group phase. So they concede goals, they concede chances. Um, I guess the one positive I'd take for Inter is, you know, playing personnel and budget, they are far superior to Porto, but that doesn't always lend itself to results. And I guess the, the, the other positive is, you know, they went to Barcelona in the group phase, played on the counter-attack, and they were experts in doing so. They got that 3-3 draw at the Camp Nou. Yeah, they were brilliant, brilliant that night, weren't they? Excellent. Really, really good, yeah. yeah. So there's perhaps a tactical approach here which might work in their favour, but uh, ultimately, go back to everything you just said there about how the game might play out. Um, those kind of characteristics, I think Porto have them in droves, and at the moment, I think they could be lacking a little bit in terms of what Inter can offer. So, yeah, I think Porto uh, 1.97 with a zero goal start on the Asian handicap is is a bet here. Let's head to Wednesday then. Napoli 2-0 up from the first leg of their tie against Eintracht Frankfurt. They were superb in Germany in that first leg. Could have been an even bigger win. No Rondal Colomuani for Frankfurt because he's suspended for the second leg. Mark, it's really hard to see Napoli slipping up, isn't it? Because far from slowing down, they're getting better. <laughs> How are you going to stop them? It's amazing. It's mad, isn't it? And I think it's all set up for Napoli here as well. You know, domestically 18 points clear. They can afford to focus on this. They've got that 2-0 lead from the first leg. Frankfurt's star striker suspended. 
they're back at home in the fortress home stadium. Virtually no away fans are going to be there because the the Naples government have effectively banned people from uh, Frankfurt addresses uh, from attending the game. I know that's a long running issue, which may have another twist or turn before the game on, on Wednesday. But you know everything is in Napoli's favour here. Uh, I think Spalletti spoke really interestingly as well at the weekend when he was talked uh, when he was asked basically about keeping his team with their feet on the ground, but also his lack of rotation. Uh, and he said, "Well, you know things are going quite well, and there's no need to change things when things are going well." So, you know, there's a, an opportunity for Napoli to qualify for the quarterfinals for the first time in their history, which is a huge carrot. And um, they've got pretty much a fully fit squad. There's a couple of injury doubts here as well. But uh, they're going to go with a strong squad here, the best 11 available. And I expect them to play from the off here and try and get the tie done early doors because they go away to Torino at the weekend, which is a, a tricky-ish game by Serie A standards. So um, you look at their group phase, they were 2-0 up at least in all three home group games against Liverpool, Ajax and Rangers. Um, obviously led at half-time in the first leg against uh, Frankfurt, where Kevin Trapp had to make a first-half penalty save before they did make that breakthrough. Um, could have easily been more than just a one-goal margin ahead as well. So originally I was looking at Napoli to win this match and over one and a half goals, but I think the leap from around uh, 1.77 on that to 2.32 on Napoli half-time, full-time um, was the bet that stood to me stood out to me here. I think they'll be keen to go from the off here, make their presence felt early doors uh, and then obviously that gives them an opportunity to to rest and rotate in the second half if the tie is done and dusted um you know Moani missing uh, there's no Jesper Lindstrom as well either for Frankfurt who's one of their sort of chief forwards means Kamada and Goetzer will be sort of uh, playing there and Rafael Bore who was quite influential in the Europa League last season but hasn't played a huge amount this year I think he's only got three goals across all competitions he is capable but that's a big ask to come in and, and lead that line against a, an Napoli defence which has looked relatively strong pretty much uh we're, we're excellent again at the weekend so yeah I'm, I'm pro Napoli here I wouldn't normally be too positive about a team with a two goal head start but I just think it's very difficult to be you know dismiss Napoli in their current sort of vein of form yeah, Stitch, if you look at Frankfurt, I'm always quite loath to go against them because they upset the odds by winning the Europa League last season. We thought they were going to go out of the group stage, but they managed to dig it out. Brilliant performance against Sporting on match day six away from home. But this does feel like a bridge too far for them, doesn't it? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you're coming up against arguably the, the best team in Europe this season. So without the star striker, um, very, very difficult to see how they can pull it back. Um my kind of work in here for this game is it's a bit dull. Um, it's no bet, but I'll give you some good reasons why and hopefully some good advice. Um, Mark kind of alluded to it there. I don't like betting on second legs where there's more than a, a goal lead as a, as a general rule. I think it provides too many scenarios where the, the match could play out. So, number one, I would say we expect Napoli will play as usual. You back them, you know, minus one Asian handicap around about evens. You know, they're, they're 18 points clear in Syria. They've scored over 80 goals this season. It's the normal route you'd take it, but they don't need to, to, they don't need to win to, to qualify. Scenario two, Napoli sit on their two-goal lead and Frankfurt hit them from, from the off, which could lead to Frankfurt scoring, turns into a basketball match. Frankfurt not scoring, Napoli sit on their lead. Frankfurt don't score and Napoli pick them off. Then there's the train of thought. Napoli sit on their two-goal lead, but actually Frankfurt's game plan is keep things tight until the second half. And then you go back through the previous three scenarios. Then there's the train of thought that Napoli sit on their two-goal lead and Frankfurt keep things tight, but the match just fizzles out as 
as basically the players realise there's not anything they can get out of this and then they probably focus on the, the match at the weekend. Coach starts making subs, you know, the five sub rule really can kill games at times. So uh, there's sort of six different scenarios given you there and, and you, it's difficult to cover, you know, a lot of those scenarios with one or two bets and then you just end up, you know, almost giving away your money in a sense just because you're looking for a bet when actually the better thing to do is maybe pick another game um, or it's obviously Cheltenham this week as well. So on that basis then, Stinch, you're going to love this. Real Madrid 5-2 up from the first leg against <laughs> Liverpool. Um, so I'm guessing that's the same approach, isn't it? Well, I tried to have a look and see if there's anything that could be sort of fun to cheer on or stand out if you wanted to be pro Liverpool. So Liverpool 50 to 1 to win the Champions League. I think that's that looks far too short. I don't think you can get behind that at all. I think you'd be much better off backing them to qualify, but that's only 11 to 1. Again, I think that's too short. I think the better bet if you do want to get on Liverpool is to back Liverpool minus two on the handicap at 10 to 1. So it's only one unit shorter than that 11 to 1 to qualify. But with the 10 to 1, um, you know, if, if they do win by exactly three, then it goes to extra time and you don't really care what happens then. Whereas if you're on them to qualify, then you want them to obviously, you know, win on penalties or get that decisive goal in extra time, which is definitely going to be a bigger price than, uh, you know, your 10 to 1 times, so probably evens really. So you'd, you'd want to have like 20 to 1 in that sort of scenario. So I think maybe Liverpool minus two on the handicap would be the one I'd go for if you wanted to get on Liverpool um, at 10 to one. I looked at all of the front three to score as they did against United, uh, Salah, Nunes and Gakpo, but that's only 14 to one. You know, this is Real Madrid in the burnabout at the end of the day. You know, and actually Madrid have won six of the last seven meetings against Liverpool. So there is a little bit of that sort of, you know, sign over them. And Ancelotti's actually unbeaten in seven of his last meetings with Klopp. Um, seven of his last eight meetings uh, and Liverpool failed to score in half of those and I think the fantastic thing with that record is four of those were with Everton you know Carlo Ancelotti <laughs> was Everton's manager and look where Everton now like some of the decision making of that club so um, I kind of went a little bit kind of full circle and thought well maybe you know if it it does sort of, you know, fizzle out, as I kind of suggested the Napoli game might, then you could back Liverpool not to score at 11-4, to you know. Sometimes at the moment with Liverpool, when it clicks, it's really good. But when it doesn't click, it just, again, it just fizzles out as well. And I think maybe with the returning of Firmino and Jota, it might have muddied Klopp's mind in terms of what is his best three right now. Uh, you know, Nunes has been... Uh, regardless of his goal scoring numbers, he's a threat every minute he's on the pitch. Oh, he's been you great. Know? It's the yeah. chaos he brings. Yes, the, exactly. The defenders just cannot deal with it. Yeah, and his uh, his XG is really, really good. So it suggests that at some point that's going to click and regress to the mean and he's just going to go on an, uh, an amazing goal scoring run. But Klopp hooked him just after the hour on Saturday and, you know, he's the sort of player that I think Madrid would be scared of. Um, I think someone like Jota, uh, I watched watched the Champions League final and, uh, you know, I thought Jota, he just showed that when it comes to the real top, I, don't get me wrong, I really like him, but when it comes to the top class uh, teams, I'm not sure he's quite at that level. He's the sort of player, I think, Liverpool, obviously, you know, if you're going to play 60 games a season, you need someone that can play 25, 30 games against maybe below average opposition that can score the goals for you. So, yeah, I think, I think you know, I don't think any of us are expecting, you know, an Istanbul, if you like. But with the, with the, no, um, with the no away goals rule, 
it means that Liverpool still are in the tie, albeit very slimly, but it's not the five-goal deficit or kind of similar to that yeah, that those yeah. away goals would bring. Which is why they've got rid of the away goals rule, because they're trying to keep ties as competitive uh, for as long as possible. But that's a debate for another time. I love the creative way in which Stinch managed to turn a Real Madrid-Liverpool preview into a dig at Everton. I applaud that greatly. Uh, Mark, um, anything here for us? I haven't got a bet in this game. Um, Is that for the same reason Stinch outlined, really, about really tricky situation, isn't it? Yeah, it's some of it really, but it's more just uh, I can't get a handle on this Liverpool team at all. Um, in the space of 10 days, we've seen Liverpool lose their, their worst ever European home defeat uh, against Real Madrid. And then, you know, just days later, hand out Man United's joint worst defeat in history. Um, <laughs> and both of those matches were just really weird, um, really strange. We talked about United match previously, how they were the better team for 40 minutes. And then it was kind of their self-destruction and, and Liverpool took advantage in the second half. Quite, quite a strange match. But if you look at the first leg here, we've praised both goalkeepers to the hill, probably rate them in the top three goalkeepers in the world. Both made absolute clangers. There were seven goals, but there was only 18 shots in the match. Madrid scored five goals from six shots on target. They only had nine attempts in the whole match. The XG was in Liverpool's favour, but everyone who watched it with their eyes would have told you they completely lost control before the end of the first half um, and struggled to wrestle it back. So just strange games where it's quite hard to kind of learn what I, I just I don't know what to take from those matches in all honesty and I don't know how to apply them to, to these kind of fixtures as well and yeah for similar stories as uh, similar reasons as um, Stinch has outlined on the Napoli game um, as well no sides ever retrieved a three goal deficit from a home cha- leg of a Champions League knockout tie but and I would say but um, very likely but some of this Madrid squad were involved when as defending champions they were 2-1 winners away at Ajax in the last 16 tie in 2018-19 and then were thrashed 4-1 at the Bernabeu in the reverse. Um, I'm not ready to write off Liverpool just yet. That um, was with Santiago Solari in charge though, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, but it's not just Man- it's not just Real Madrid. We've seen PSG, Barcelona. We've seen enough stories now in the Champions League at this stage of the season. You'd be foolish to just to dismiss Liverpool and say they've got no chance here. They clearly got a galaxy of, of forward players who are capable of causing mayhem against the best defences in the world. They've got a first choice back four available now as well, which makes a huge difference too. But it's easier said than done, obviously, to go and, and get a result at the Bernabeu. But um, yeah, in the end, I left it for the same reasons as Stinch, really. But, um, you know, the first goal is going to dictate how this match plays out, whether it's going to be a really chaotic game with goals aplenty, whether it might just fizzle out into a, a dull sort of 0-0, 1-1. Because if Madrid score early, you assume it's definitely tie over and psychologically that will hand a blow for, for Liverpool. But if they score early, it could well be on. But at the same time, if there's no goal inside the opening 30 minutes, this match might just peter out into nothingness really. But um, if I really, really had to have a bet, uh, I thought Vinicius Junior at 15-8 to, to score any time. Uh, was a bit too big. Karen Benzema's at way 11 too to 10. big. Way yeah, too ben, big. 15. Benzema's 11 to 10, and Vinicius is 15 to 8. So I'd rather take Vinicius. He's been playing wonderfully well. Scored a great goal again at the weekend. He's getting shots off, having two or three shots a game, pretty much at the moment, cutting in from the left hand side. So um, yeah, quite fancy him at that price. But yeah, that'd be it. One of the best players on the planet, that young man. Yes, Stinch. If it does sort of fizzle out in the first kind of 15, 20, maybe back in a low number of cards might be the way to go. There's only two in the in the first leg. And often uh, these claims can turn into like a glorified friendly. And generally, you know, you don't get cards in those situations. So, yeah, maybe like under goals, under cards, you, you might get like a, a nice juicy price in a sort of bet builder. 
This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus. See gambleaware.com. Org. On to the Europa League then. I'm going to leave Manchester United Betis to the end because I think we've done a run of ties uh, where there was a hefty first leg lead. But Arsenal against Sporting. Quite lively that first leg. 2-2 uh, mark. Are we going to get lots more goals in this one, do we think, as well? Yeah, possibly, because I don't think Arsenal are going to be at full strength here. Uh, we saw Arteta rest and rotate. I think it was six changes going into that first leg. Wasn't a huge surprise considering... Um, you know, clearly their their priority is the Premier League, and it wasn't a huge surprise either to see that they were a bit off the pace, a little bit sloppy at times as well. Gave away some poor goals, but they did dominate the ball, create more chances than Sporting in Portugal as well, and they'll fancy their chances at the Emirates. Um, but yeah, I'll go back to what we said before the first leg. I, I don't think I've got any desire to back a team at one point four in any sort of market when this competition isn't going to be the priority. It is Sunday's match against Crystal Palace, being able to extend that advantage over Man City. That's what it's all about. Um, expect rotation again. Um, Gabriel Jesus may even come in for a first start since his injury. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy to leave this game alone. Um, but based on how the first leg played out, I would expect Arsenal to progress. But I just don't think there's any reason to sort of back the mini market at those kind of prices. Yes, Stinch Sporting have the kind of players that can make something happen. They've got really talented individuals. I, w I was at their game against Tottenham earlier in the season. And considering there are largely, I know there are some veterans in there, but there's a lot of younger players in there as well. They don't have any fear when they go away from home in Europe. No, I was quite impressed with them. I watched the game against Spurs earlier in the season. I thought, uh, you know, the likes of Marcus Edwards troubled them. And uh, I think they can do something uh, here at the at the Emirates. Obviously, they scored two in the first leg. Um, I was quite dismissive about Arsenal's Europa League outright chances. And I still kind of am. But, but with the way the fixtures have fallen, um, I think this is one actually where Arteta can maybe go a bit stronger than he first envisaged. They've got Crystal Palace at the weekend at home, and we know Palace are going for a dreadful time at the moment. Yeah. And then it's an international break. So with Gabriel Jesus back, I think actually Arsenal might could go stronger than suggested. And I think that's probably uh, reflected in their odds of one to three to win the match. You know, they were sort of five to four in the in the first leg, uh, but this, you know, I think this one to three is is arguably too short. You know, uh, he's got sport in here at seven to one. Um, so. I, and I kind of thought, well, I, you know, I think, I think, I fancy Arsenal to win, given I think they will play a stronger team. But you know, I wouldn't put it past Sporting to get on the score sheet. So in my mind, I was thinking, you know, Arsenal to win both teams to score, sort of a nice prize. But unfortunately, it's only like nine to four, and I don't really like. To, I think I've talked about it before, but I don't really like to get involved in those sort of prices and these sorts of bets unless you've got uh, like a really heavy favourite, like a Wrexham or somebody like that. Um, when you know they kind of are going to win, so then you're just—it's just the question: of is is the other team going to get a consolation? And I don't think that's the the right way to kind of look at this match. Um, there was a couple of other bets I quite liked in the Europa League. Just very quickly, um, Juventus a thirteen to ten away at Freiburg. I thought that was a bit big, so I thought Juventus minus a quarter at odds against would be the way to go there. Um, obviously, only got a one nil lead, so I think they will play this match. Um, out in the in the form that they'll go out and try and win. Um, they restricted Freiburg to n absolutely next to nothing in in the first leg, and Freiburg will have to come out at some point. I think Juventus could pick them off, and obviously, if you've got uh, minus a quarter, you get half your money back if the game finished in the draw. 
Uh, I also still think Juventus are a big price at seven to one outright for the Europa League right now. Man United are fifteen to eight. I think that's I think that's far too short. I know they basically are already in the next round and Juventus aren't. Yeah. But I still think there's a too big a gap there. And the other bet I quite like was both teams to score in final v Shakhtar, which is just short of evens. Um, don't think you'd get those sorts of prices if this was an Eredivisie game. Um, and yeah, essentially, uh, fight the the way this is being driven is fire in order uh, four to nine. I think that's far too short. So basically, saying that Shakhtar haven't got a very good chance of scoring, but I think they have. You know, scored yeah. in the first leg. They didn't create that much in the first leg, but we've seen them in Europe this season against Real Madrid, against Celtic, for example. And I, I do, I you know, I do think. They have got a very good conveyor of talent that are coming through. There's a lot of younger players that I really think are stepping up. And well, they uh, lost yeah. almost a whole team stinch, didn't they? Because understandably, FIFA allowed players to to leave Ukraine, uh, but they they've lost a, a ton of talent. They sold Mudrik. Manuel Solomon's obviously gone to Fulham, and they were annoyed about that because they wanted to sell him. And so they've had to, you know, really dig deep, and they've done incredibly well. Yep, I really like uh, Traore up front, um, Zubkov on the wing. He scored in both games against Real Madrid. Um, and there's a couple of other younger players that are, have been making an impact in the league. So, yeah, I, I just think the tie is ridiculously nicely poised. And I just think getting around evens for both teams to score is, is a really good bet there. Yeah, on the Europa League previews on betting.betfair.com, I couldn't believe that... Uh... Both teams to score in the first leg was the price it was. So that was one of the tips for that one. And finally, hands up if either of you have anything for Betis against Manchester United, given that it's 4-1 United from the first leg. Anything? Nothing concrete, but I would take issue with the prices. I think Betis at 375 um, just feels quite big. Um, But it all depends on team news because Pellegrini decided, well, Fekir we know is injured long-term but Canales was unavailable. Iglesias was started on the bench. That's effectively Betis's um, three most effective forwards unavailable for the game at Old Trafford or, or, or not selected. So uh, I've not seen any comments from Pellegrini. We probably won't hear anything until until Wednesday, really, to, to kind of get into his mind and understand how Betis are going to approach this match. But um, you just assume at home um, they might have a go. They've got Mallorca at home at the weekend, so a winnable match. But um, clearly the top four is, is their priority in, in Spain yeah. and they're only three points shy of that. So that's something to bear in mind. And look, United, <laughs> it's difficult to know... Um, how they'll approach this. Ten Hag gave uh, the same team that lost to Liverpool the opportunity for redemption, really, in this first leg. And, and they reacted to that and got the result, but um, failed to beat Southampton at the weekend. Bit of a shocker, regardless of the red card. Um, and yeah, they got the FA Cup this weekend as well. So um, yeah, it's just one of those. I'd like to see the team news before kind of getting involved, but I wouldn't be touching United at 2.02, even if they did field a first choice team. That seems very short to me too. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of Cheltenham Festival content on our website, betting.betfair.com. Some racing podcasts for you to check out as well across the Betfair podcast network. We'll have our usual domestic previews ahead of the weekend from Stinch, from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now.